0: Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, this man. We thank you for his heart for you over the many years, Lord, particularly in establishing this place, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for that um, heart to just be a vessel. And we just pray for him now, Lord, that you would speak through him, encourage him, Lord, and that we would have hearts open to you for what we're going to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right. Okay. That's it. Right. Well I was I was encouraged to speak shortly. So shortly I will start speaking and then trust I will finish sometime. I don't know when. When do you finish normally? It's always good to know when to finish. I I was encouraged many years ago that preachers should always stand up, speak up and shut up. (laughs) But it's great being here and it's lovely to see your faces. And I trust you've had a wonderful day already. Uh, I trust you had a wonderful week. Yes, you have? I don't find many people have wonderful weeks. Uh, Have you had a wonderful month? It's interesting, isn't it, that when you, when you start to investigate people's lives, it's most often that there always something happens that seems to uh, come against the joy and the wonder and the thrill of knowing God. Is that right? Am I right or aren't I right? Yeah, always something. Um, and, of course, the, the great... Uh, wonder of God is that God is bigger than that. That's what we've been hearing this morning, isn't it? He is bigger than our circumstances. I mean, um, Guy mentioned that wonderful man called Job. And uh, I did a study on Job because um, I I like to do studies. I like to see what really makes people tick. Uh, Because I want to be a person that's real. I want what's on the inside to work out on what's on the outside. So that I don't have to be two people. I don't have to be my, a Sunday person. I can put my hands in the air. I trust you can do that. And then on Monday morning, I wake up with the glooms because I've got to go to work or because I've got to do this and that and the other. I don't go to work, by the way. I'm, I haven't done that for nearly 50 years. But... Um, Job, you know, Job, well, you know, the, the devil said to God one day, it's a mystery, really, to understand it. He went to God and he said, have you seen my servant Job? See, God was very pleased with him. Uh, and I, 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 I think God's very pleased with, with us in this room this morning. But he said, have you seen my servant Job? That in everything he does, He does very well. Uh, And and Satan said, Well, yes, I know, but that's because you bless him. You know, I mean, he was a very wealthy man. He probably had about, I worked out about 2.6 million of assets in today's money. And I mean, if you got a couple of million, you wouldn't be unhappy, would you? Um, Trouble is, lots of people are. (laughs) So money doesn't help you, does it? And earning lots of money doesn't help you. Anyway, he said, I reckon that if you take everything away from him, he'll curse you. You know. Well, it's happened to me again, you know. I was all right until I met that person. God took everything away. Right? I'm telling you, everything except he wasn't allowed to touch his body. In other words, it wasn't to make him sick. And he wasn't allowed to touch his wife. (laughs) All right? But he lost all his assets. He lost all his eight children. In a moment, in a moment of time, a a fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Raiders come and stole everything. I wonder what you would think this morning If you got home and your house had burnt down. (laughs) Anyway, it happened to him. And he says this, bless the Lord. I mean, he genuinely said it. He didn't say it because it was the right thing to say. He said it because it really did work in his life. He did bless the Lord. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I shall return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What what has to happen to us to make us live that kind of life? Is it searching our mobile phones? No. It's something greater than that. So how is it then with you this morning? <clears throat> you know, that was a question that the Apostle Paul asked the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church had received from the Apostle Paul the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He had, they had received, they weren't working it out very practically, they'd lost the plot o- along the way uh, but Paul was trying to encourage them in what they had received of God. Greater than wealth, greater than riches, greater than relationships. Everything. And uh, I believe Job found that in God. He found the greater thing. Of course, um, he, he it was tragic, but God blessed him in the end, you know. He gave him eight children (laughs) later on, but obviously he didn't see that at the time. He didn't say, oh well, I'll suffer today because I know that tomorrow something will happen. No, he genuinely trusted God with all his heart. The enemy went and said, Ah, but if you make him sick, he'll curse you to your face. And God said, Okay, you can touch his body. And apparently he had this awful boils from the head of his foot to the sole of his feet and every day he had to scrape them with a lump of pottery to get the pus off his body. He, was in, he couldn't sit down, he couldn't stand up, he couldn't lay down, he couldn't do anything. He, he lived in total torment day and night with his sickness. And even his wife said, curse God and die. Get it over and done with. And not they encouraging our wives <laughs> or husbands? He said, you speak as one of the foolish women. And he did not curse God. He did not die. He waited until God worked it all out for him. And of course he comes to that wonderful statement, I know that my Redeemer lives. I trust you do read your Bibles. (laughs) They're wonderful. This This is a wonderful book. I'm so blessed. I've had a fantastic month. I'm celebrating my Jubilee, Uh, no, I am more than 50, (laughs) because I can remember the day in October 1969 when someone told me that I could receive the Holy Spirit into my life. I told you that the Bible's full of questions. Apparently, there's 3,330-odd questions in the Bible. And uh, that's just an interesting fact, isn't it? I think facts are interesting. And here's a question that God asks. How is it with you then, brethren? Every one of you has. That's 1 Corinthians 14. But there's another question that he asks the Ephesian Christians in Acts chapter 19. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I.e., he met a group of believers, people that loved the Lord Jesus Christ, people that had received the gospel from a man called Apollos, a great preacher, And they had been baptised in water. Used to be a baptism over there, but it's now a cafe. And and people, when they respond to the Lord Israel, get baptised in water. And they say, well, we we haven't even heard that there has anything like a Holy Spirit. He said, well, what were you baptised for or unto? You see, because when John the Baptist preached his message of repentance from sin, of course, I mean, every person in this room who wants to follow the Lord Jesus knows that you have to give up sin, don't we? Did you know that James tells us that which is not of faith is sin? They said, well, we hadn't heard. and I'd been going to church for 23 years before I heard about receiving the Holy Spirit in my life. Now that makes me... <coughs> <coughs> you can work that out, can't you? 23 plus 50. Oh, getting old, aren't I? Well, I was sent to... Sunday school by my parents. Great place, Sunday schools. And uh, I did go with my sister and we went for many years. When I was 16, I was baptised in water because I believed in what I was hearing, that Jesus is my saviour. And I began my Christian life. It didn't work very well. I got married, that didn't work very well. I had a family, that didn't work very well. That was before John was born. (laughs) John was born after 69, not telling you how old it is. And I, 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 I believe sincerely with all my heart that unless God comes into our lives by his Holy Spirit, We cannot live the Christian life as he wants us to live it. In October 1969, someone told me, I don't suppose they intended to tell me, I can't think of anything else, I knew I left that meeting desperate to find God. Well, I went to church five times on a Sunday I was leading the youth group. I was always at the prayer meet. I produced the church magazine. I did a lot of things on a Sunday. In fact, when my wife and I used to walk down the church with the buggy, with a couple of other children we had (laughs) before my wonderful son John was born, we used to have a big row We used to argue. When we got to church, <laughs> I don't think we put up hands in our church, it wasn't allowed. But, you know, we're friendly, nice, you know, <laughs> nice. <laughs> when we got home, we finished off the argument. <laughs> I lived years like that. I was, I was two people. The person I ought to be and the person I really was. And then that wonderful day when I heard that I could receive the life of God on the inside of me. Boy, that was tough. How could I receive him? What could happen to me? Well, I realised, of course, that I had to start praying, seeking God. And in January 1970, God graciously poured his Holy Spirit upon me. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Does it work for you, this Christian life? Or are you all sham on the outside? i uh, sorry, all sham on the inside and very spiritual on the outside. You know, it's amazing, isn't it, that when you scan this book, this wonderful book called the Bible, and I trust you do enjoy reading it and read it with study books if you wish, but read it because you discover that God began the work in this creation of the world by moving by his Holy Spirit. It says in... Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Spirit of God hovered. That's the thing. You know God is hovering over our meeting this morning, stirring up the gift that is within you. Paul Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that's within you, which was given you by the laying on of hands. I thank God that, I was one of those independent characters, and you probably discover that by what when you're listening to me talk. I wanted God for myself, I didn't want anybody else to be involved with giving me Him. I I wanted to know the reality, the power of what God said He could do in a human being, and you know. From that day to this, I've grown and learned and moved in the things of the Spirit, and I bless God that I'm still learning. And I think I shall be learning until the day I get into the ground. (laughs) I mean, one day they're going to have to carry me out. I'm not going willingly. Although I don't mind going to heaven. I hear it's a wonderful place. But I know it's for those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, heaven. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And as you follow it through, uh, Jim, uh, Debbie was taking us back to the Red Sea. You know, the children of Israel were in Egypt, because the uh, Joseph had um, had become uh, the savior of the world. That's what his name is. I can't pronounce his name now. It begins with B. <laughs> it's a quite a long one. Yeah. And interpreted out of Egyptian, is savior of the world. He was God's savior for that. If his people, seventy of them, moved out of Canaan into Egypt. And there they grew, probably to about two and a half million people. Very fruitful over those years. And uh, they were, a new pharaoh took place, and they were in terrible bondage, and they cried out to God, deliver us, deliver us from this terrible wickedness. And you know, what happened is that Moses was raised up. He was... uh, Aaron's son, you know that he was a baby, they put him on the river, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter took him in and he grew up, until he was 40, and he he looked around at this problem and he said, I've got to do something about this. And so, you know the story of course, how he, he killed an Egyptian, beating one of his fellow Israelis. And of course he was spotted, and they said, I saw you do that, and he fled. At 40 he fled and when he was 80 <laughs> in the wilderness God spoke to him. Moses, Moses. Have you ever heard God speak to you? I want you to go and talk to that man. Go and buy him a cup of coffee. Do you ever done that? Go and buy him a sandwich. Don't walk past him. Levites and priests do that. Not good Samaritans. It took 40 years to get Moses out of Egypt. And it took another 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. We are slow sometimes, aren't we? God said... I want you to deliver my people, and you know it was fantastic. They stood at that Red Sea, and it—it it was impossible. It was the time of harvest; it was flooding, and it was an impossible thing to do. But Moses said, "Follow me." And They walked down to that sea, and it, you know, and they put their foot in it, and it divided. Anybody ever watched one of these? Um, Indiana Jones movies. Uh, I think it's The Last Crusade when they're on this great big rock. You've seen it, Timo. Oh, good, you know what I'm talking about. And, and they've got to get from this side to the other and that all they've got to do is make, take the first step. And as they take the first step, a bit of wall comes out. And as they take the next step, another bit of wall comes out. It's called the life of faith. But you've got to take the first step. And they took the first step into the Red Sea, and it, you know, if anybody ever watched the, the film The Ten Commandments, it's not like that. It wasn't a narrow place just for a bus to go through. It was big enough for two and a half million people to get through overnight. Amazing things that God does. Always great, greater than anything that you could imagine. And they got through to the other side. I mean, what would you do if you were facing annihilation back there? God opened the sea, you got through to the other side, and you thought, well, that's wonderful. I can now trust God implicitly. You'd believe that, wouldn't you? You'd do that. What did they do? I'm thirsty. (laughs) First thing they said, there's no water in this place. I'm hungry, I don't, know. I don't know, why shouldn't we be back there in Egypt? You know, we had the melons and the cucumbers and the grapes and that, etc. It's amazing what people do, and I believe people do that with the things of God. We forget what God has provided for us. And we lull ourselves into what we think is normality which actually is abnormality because we've forgotten that God is powerful. They grumbled. You know what God said in Exodus chapter 16? He says, I hate grumblers. <laughs> Have you ever met a grumbler? Everything's wrong. It wouldn't make any difference if it was right. It'd still be wrong. Because we don't see that God is in it all. That's a wonderful story of Jairus' daughter, Jim mentioned to us. Because... The woman that interrupted Jesus' walk had been sick for 12 years. She was all bowed down like this. And do you know what she said? She said, If only I could but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole." he touched me and all oh, the joy that filled my heart something happened and now I see he touched me and made me whole you know it's a wonderful thing to touch Jesus because something happened in that encounter that everything that was in Jesus became in her You know, you can just imagine, she touched him. And she (laughs) she sort of hid away. And Jesus said, who touched me? Do you know Jesus will know this morning if you touch him? Because he will touch the air in your life that no one else knows about. And make you whole. He touched me. And when they got to the house, Jairus said, oh, don't, don't need to worry now, she's dead. And then he said those wonderful words, sweetheart. Arise. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, one of my fans, uh, sorry, not my fan. (laughs) Uh, I'm his fan. <laughs> you know, lived in the early part of this of the 19th century, died in 1946. He was a Bradford plumber. Uh, and I I enjoy his books and I and I'm reading his daily devotion. You need a lot of time to read his daily devotion because he seems to say a lot about what he's saying. Just daily reading gives you a chapter in the Bible to read and then a couple of pages of his devotion to read but he tells some wonderful stories of just things that people miss he said I went to the house of this 10 year old boy anybody 10 here? no he said um, she said the doctors say there's no hope for him he's got Cerebral paralysis. So, Smith comes and he says, "Um, it's not cerebral paralysis. He's got a stomach problem. No, Mr. Wigglesworth, it can't be true. We had two specialist doctors who've told us that it's spiritual, uh, it's cerebral paralysis, and he's going to die. He said, "You're wrong." He said, "Doctor Jesus knows what's right." I'm quoting him. So he prays for this young lad. 10-year-old, and he vomits up a worm 10 inches long out of his stomach and totally healed. You see, he's a master at it. You know, I've learned so much about him, and in fact, it's something that I want to continue to live in. I want to see people prayed for, set free, delivered. <laughs> I tell you where I was going to start. <laughs> okay, what time do we finish? 12? Around Twelve? Yeah. Okay. I want. I want to start in two, Chronicles chapter seven. Now you might think this is a strange reading, but. Solomon was David's son, and David was Jesus's great 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 grandfather <laughs> Okay, probably tw- between 26 and 40 generations before, David, and Jesus is often referred to as King David's greatest son. But Solomon was a miracle boy, really, because Solomon who became king instead of David, mother was Bathsheba. And you know the story of Bathsheba, don't you? That one day David should have been out on the battlefield messing about at home, I don't know, probably lost what to do and he was wandering around in his big palace and he was standing up on the roof and he looked over and he saw a beautiful woman. And he thought, oh, I like that woman. What didn't matter to him at the time that was she was married to Uriah the Hittite, one of his soldiers who was out on the battlefield where he should have been leading the army. It's amazing what can happen in our lives when we're not doing what God tells us to do. And you read it in the Bible, it's quite clear. It says, when it was the time for kings to go to war, David was at home. I think this is a wonderful book. I'm, I'm, I'm only reading what it says. And uh, he committed sin with her, tried to cover it up, tried to say it, you know, probably it, it was something that his husband, her husband, did when he was of, um, home from the battlefield. But of course, when he got home from the battlefield at the instructions of David, he sat outside, he didn't go in. And that really frustrated David. So he gave him another day off and another day off and another day off, but he still wouldn't do it. So he sent him back to the battlefield and told Joab, his captain, to make sure he got killed. And David saw it. uh, God saw everything that David was doing. Sent the prophet Nathan. And Nathan told him a story of someone who had two sheep and... Uh, A sheep and he had hundreds of sheep and he said when somebody came for dinner he nipped over the fence and told, just took this little sheep from his neighbour and of course David was incensed with anger Nathan said that's you and he had to die this poor little baby boy but Solomon was born to Bathsheba Wonderful, you know, God's such a forgiving God. You know, He forgives our sins and gives us something better. Solomon, the son of peace. You know, when we are forgiven for our sins, we have peace in our hearts with God. He washes our sins away, makes us whiter as white can be. When Solomon had finished praying, Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the lord saying he is good his mercy endures forever you know god is still wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh if you go through your bibles you see the chronicler as he's called because <laughs> we don't know who he was covers the story of the children of israel from David until they'd taken into captivity. It's 400 years. If you go to other books, like Kings, for instance, Kings breaks it down a bit more. It gives you the children of Israel, the children of Judah, and two characters that I love. If you like character Bible studies, here's two to look at. Elijah, which means God is my God, and Elisha, which means God is my salvation. Can you see the parallel? God, Jesus, God is my salvation. But there are three persons of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is powerfully demonstrating his ministry in the Old Testament. Jesus was powerfully demonstrating his ministry in the Gospels. But what about the church today? What about this church? I don't come to this church. I used to. (laughs) I first stepped onto this platform, I think it was the platform, it was a wonderful thing. It had a big pulpit there you went up in steps. It was a Wesleyan, it was a Wesleyan church. We bought it from the Wesleyan peoples. Well, we had to fight the Aga Khan for it. You could go up these steps and you could stand on this big pathway, you know, wouldn't it be marvellous? I, I really regret pulling it out and giving it to David Weatherly for wood. And it had a big, long communion rail along here. And it had a lovely communion table, which Gary Hayes took and made into a coffee table. And on there was a great big wooden cross, 1978. And you know, God, in those days, we moved here in 1982, Jim was saved here in this room, and I always tell this story because I think it's a wonderful story of God's work of faith, because I can remember actually standing here speaking on the subject of faith, and as I looked out at the congregation, I made this statement, and I don't know, you could call it the prophetic word if you want, because when you read the gifts of the Spirit, and it says, what have you, how it is it with you, is that every one of you has a psalm, a proverb, doesn't it, in 1 Corinthians 14. And I just said this, <clears throat> if you have faith, you can ask God to do anything for you and he'll do it. And Margaret asked the Lord that he would save Jim, Jimmy, now grown up now to in Jim, in this meeting. And, you know, she, he came on that Sunday night and God saved him. And But some people say, well, you know, getting saved, is he still saved? Well, he is still saved. <clears throat> and he's become a wonderful brother. And we've worked together over many years. Many years. God is my salvation. In the the book of Joel, which is one of the prophets, as you go through your scriptures, you will find this statement. It's in Joel chapter 2. I'll read it to you, because I think my introduction needs to come to an end soon. Um, And it shall come to pass, here's Joel, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, And also on my manservants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke, sun shall be turned into darkness and moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> and of course, God's been working powerfully in the Old Testament, Jesus wonderfully in the New Testament. And then that wonderful area era called the Church. Are you part of it? Are you part of the church? Amen. <laughs> Who said that? Are you part of it? Are you part of the move of God? Or, you see, what's happened is that what begins in such a powerful way wanes. Have you noticed? Every move of God wanes. I have been privileged in this place in those early 80s, to see God move so powerfully that people have come under conviction of sin and have to shoot out and scatter all the chairs going as they went with them, and people would look. I just pray God always move in this place. I I, I might ask to be buried here, you know. (laughs) but up to my executor over here. You are my executor, you know. My other two children have flown the nest. They've gone to foreign lands. I can't imagine them rushing back to bury me. God wants to move by his spirit. I have five minutes. I want to read Acts chapter two because I want to ask that question again before we finish. Have you received the Holy Spirit? You see, one of the great wonders of receiving the Holy Spirit is that when you are with people and you want to bless people, encourage people, you can count on God to tell you what to do. Just count on him. Lord, what shall I do? Smith Wigglesworth was visiting in Belfast one day and he said, somebody said to him, uh, Mr. Wigglesworth, are you uh, free to visit? I've got someone I'd like you to come, go and see. He said, yeah, sure, sure. I don't know how he said it in his Bradford accent. He, his, his wife taught him how to read and write. And uh, I've got a lady I'd like you to go and see. Would you go and see her? So he said, "Okay." He sat down, went to the house, knocked on the door. She was in bed. She was dying. She couldn't speak. Gasping for every breath to keep herself alive. And he said, "Lord, what shall I say? What shall I do?" And he said, "Read Isaiah 53." Got opened his Bible. He began Isaiah 53. It's a wonderful chapter. It's the chapter of talks about the Lord Jesus coming to the cross, bearing our sorrows. Remember it? He got down to this verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I'm healed, she says. I'm healed. I'm healed. Must have been fantastic. So he said, well, tell us your story. People like to be told stories. Ask people their story. What's your story? You know, Debbie's experienced it with this man. I said, no one loves me. She said, I was in this bed yesterday. See, the doctor says, I, I've got a terminal condition. I'm not going to recover. And she said, I, I had a vision. And it was of you coming into my room, sitting down on that seat. She said, and then you read Isaiah 53. She said, when you got to verse 5, I saw I was healed. That was yesterday. Today's the reality of it. We can all move in the Holy Spirit. We can all receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can live as Jesus lived in this earth because Jesus has the same Father as we have. We're part of God. Jesus said, And this was his instructions to the disciples. It was the birth of the church, of which we are part. The day of the church is still here with us. You're part of it. He says, tarry in Jerusalem, because that's where they lived. You know, if you live in Eltham, tarry in Eltham. tarry until you be endued with power from on high. And uh, this is Acts chapter 2, and I shall finish here. And then if you want to receive the the, the Holy Spirit, you'll have to talk to John or one of the elders here, because I live at Sendeners on sea, <laughs> And they will pray with you, and they will lead you in... So all that God has promised His Church. This was only a beginning, and you can discover it for yourself if you like me. I got down on my knees and said, "Lord, I want to receive. I want to receive the reality of You." Mind you, I'm, it took me three months, up to November, December, January, three months, but I tell you this, my life was absolutely transformed. Something had happened and I was filled with the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as so the Spirit gave them utterance. When God came into his temple of old, fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. Who were the sacrifice in the upper room? The disciples. Paul says in Romans, give your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Do you want to give yourself to God? You might not know what you're doing with it or where you're going with it, but I'll tell you this, if you say, Lord, you take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. He'll take your life and he'll begin to work with you and if you want help, encouragement in that, ask John. And he'll direct you to someone that can spend time with you. But don't live with all the blessing of God and not know everything that God has for you. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your wonderful love. You've encouraged us this morning in reminding us about all the potential that we have, even in this community, to be a blessing. The people that need you. But Lord, we we need the tools to do the job. We don't want just to bring them to our meeting and get them out and give them a little polish and put them back in our tools and take them away and not use them because you have given us your gifts to work with in our ministry. And we pray, Lord, you make us a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much.